Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. So we're going to look at a very popular passage of scripture where Jesus is going to say, I am the good shepherd. Shepherding is a, uh, it's a big theme in scripture. It's a massive theme all throughout the Bible. Uh, it's, a, it's a metaphor, it's a picture, uh, but it's probably lost on us, right? Uh, a little bit. Like we don't probably fully understand uh, what it means to shepherd. Um, is anybody in here a shepherd? You got sheep at home? Okay, yeah, no one. <laughs> Perfect, right? Well, that's how I am too. I'm not a shepherd, but you know, Jesus used very common language uh, to uh, paint a picture, to teach a lesson, um, and he's doing it again here with the shepherd thing. You know, he's talked about, I am the light of the world. Light is easy to understand. He says, I am the living water. We understand water. He says, I am the bread of life. And we understand bread, right? Well, he's doing the same thing with shepherding because shepherding is a massive idea, especially in this culture. People did shepherd. They had sheep and they would do the whole thing. But shepherding is also a picture um, in scripture of leadership. And and really, that's kind of what we're talking about this morning is, is leadership. All of us are leaders in some form or another, whether that's at school, uh, maybe in your job, um, in your home as a parent, um, different things like that. We have different leadership roles in our life. You don't have to be a CEO of a company or something like that to call yourself a leader. In the Bible, shepherding is a picture of leadership. And um, the context, right, the context for John 10, this very famous passage of Scripture is so important, right? If you were with us last week in John chapter nine, we talked about this guy who was blind. He was born blind and Jesus heals his sight. You remember that? And after he heals his sight, the religious leaders of the day, they came and just grilled this guy. Just put him on trial, had this whole interrogation thing, even brought in his parents uh, to ask about him. And, and by the end, they threw him out of the synagogue. And we talked about just spiritual blindness, and we talked about um, just how poor these leaders really were, that they were hateful, that they, were, they treated this guy um, very, very badly. Well, the context of today's uh, passage, John 10, comes straight out of the scene last week. In fact, it's still in the scene. There's no transition here at all. It's still in that same setting. This, this man was born blind. He's been healed. He confesses Jesus as Savior, and then he's thrown out of the synagogue, and that's where Jesus actually comes and meets him. You remember that? So Jesus comes and meets him outside of the synagogue, and he's standing there, and, and, and John 10, Jesus is, is not happy with the poor leadership of the Pharisees. Okay, that's the context. That's what's happening in this passage. Jesus is very unhappy with the bad leaders there in the synagogue, the the Pharisees, the religious leaders. One of the most famous um, passages of scripture on bad leadership is in the Old Testament. It's Ezekiel chapter 34. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, um, God is really, through the prophet, he's... He's condemning the the leaders there, the bad leaders 
and he calls them the bad shepherds, okay? And he says that they were doing all kinds of things. They were violent, they were cruel, they were taking advantage of people, they were selfish, all of these different things. That's what the bad leaders in Ezekiel chapter 34 were doing. However, in Ezekiel chapter 34, uh, the prophet goes on to say, but there's a better leader coming. There's a good shepherd that is going to come. So now, with that in mind, all the context, look at John chapter 10. Let's start in verse 7. It says, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So I want us to look at this and see what it means for Jesus to say, I am the good shepherd. So in this passage, yes, it's about the good shepherd, but there's a lot of dangerous things that are mentioned. Did you see that? Several dangers are mentioned. He talks about thieves and robbers in verses 8 and 10 that come only to steal, to kill, and destroy. He talks about the hired hands, those who have been just hired to come in and do a job and take care of the sheep. But when, when things get sketchy, when danger comes, they run away. They jump ship. They're, they're not invested. They don't actually care about the sheep. They only care about themselves. And then in verse 12, he talks about the wolves who come and they scatter and they destroy the sheep. Okay? So several dangers are mentioned. I think verse 10, John 10, 10, you, you've probably heard that verse. I really think that's kind of the thesis verse for this passage. I think it, it, I think it kind of um, explains everything that's happening here in one sentence. It says, a thief, comes only to co- a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So again, that kind of summarizes this whole passage in my mind. That there's a distinction that's being made here. A clear distinction Jesus is making. He's saying, I'm not like those bad leaders. I'm different. I am the good shepherd, is what he says. I'm the good shepherd. So he's different. He's a different kind of leader. He's not a bad leader. He is a good leader. So I thought it would be good if we could just look and see in this passage what makes him different. What makes the good shepherd different? So the good shepherd is different. Number one, he's a protector. He's a protector. So my dad wasn't a shepherd, but we did have chickens. And, you know, I guess it's, that's about the same, right? Um, anybody have chickens? Okay, a lot more chickens than sheep uh, in, this, in this room. So we had chickens growing up as well. And I, I'll never forget this one day. I was probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old. And uh, a possum got in the chicken house. That's a bad deal, right? You don't want a possum in the chicken house. And so me and my dad, we went out to solve this problem. And uh, I'm telling you, this is a game-changing moment in my life. It, it, it defined a lot of things for me. 
We go out to get this possum. My dad takes a shotgun, uh, you know, because uh, just spoiler alert, things aren't going to end well for this possum in this story. All right. So we, uh, we take a shotgun, but the possum is laying, oh goodness, I was told after the first service what these are called, laying boxes, right, where the, where the hens will get in there and lay their eggs. So the possum is up in one of those laying boxes, and he's kind of all curled up. You know how ugly those things are. They're nasty. He's like looking over his left shoulder at us, kind of hissing and, you know, whatever they do. His tail was hanging out of the laying box. And so my dad didn't want to shoot him because he'd blow holes all in the chicken house and everything, right? And so what he decided to do, I didn't know how we were about to solve this problem. Again, I'm 10, 12 year old, something like that. My dad, being the man that he is, goes in and in one motion, grabs that possum's tail, takes it like this, up over his head, boom, like that, lights out, possum's dead. <laughs> Brutal, right? That scarred me as a kid, you know? Like, I've talked to my therapist about it multiple times. And, but, like, that was a defining moment for me. Like, I realized my, my dad is a bad dude. <laughs> I'm not going to cross him, right? Like, he, he, he means business. That's something I wouldn't do as a man today. I'm 35 years old. I'm not touching a possum, but he is... He's different, he's tough, he's a man, I'm telling you. But the point is, he was willing to do whatever it took, right, to, to protect what was in that house. And that's kind of the picture I want you to see here with what Jesus is saying. He's saying he is the protector. He says, I am the gate. And Jesus isn't mixing up his metaphors. You know, you know, it's like, wait, I thought you just said you were the good shepherd. Now you're saying that I am the gate. He's not mixing his metaphors at all. He's saying, I am, I am the protector. I am the gate. What does a gate do? A gate protects. It keeps things um, in that should be in. It keeps things out that should be out. I was reading this week about shepherds and, and what they would do whenever they were in the field. They would set up kind of these makeshift pens with bushes and briars and different things like that. And they would kind of create a pen for the, the sheep to sleep in at night to keep everything out. But they would leave one opening so that the sheep could come in and out. And that's where the shepherd would sleep. He would lay across that opening and he would act as an actual gate, as if to say, if anything comes in here, it's gonna have to come through me, right? And that's what Jesus is saying whenever he's saying he is the gate. See, shepherds weren't these weak dudes that are just following around lambs all day. You know, I think it's easy to maybe get that picture in our mind. Think about David in the Old Testament, one of the greatest shepherds um, in the Old Testament. He says in 1 Samuel 17, uh, like 32, somewhere in there, uh, he talks about whenever a, a lion or a bear came in to get the sheep, he, he attacked that thing. Are you kidding me? Like these are, these are bad dudes, these shepherds, they're, they're, they're like superheroes almost. And so Jesus is saying now that that's what he's doing, that he is protecting the sheep from danger. It's like, but what danger? You know, what, what danger? Well, he's already told us. Thieves, robbers, and wolves. Dangerous leaders. That's what he's protecting from in this passage is dangerous leaders. Again, the whole setting, the whole context of what's taking place is he is talking in the face of bad leaders. He's talking straight to them. He's not just talking about them around a campfire later in the week. He's talking to their face. Almost like a big brother would tell a bully, like, if you're going to get to little brother, you're going to have to come through me. Jesus is standing there with the man who's formerly blind, 
acting as a gate, as a protector from him and the bad leaders. Just think about what that would have meant to this man who was formerly blind, been thrown out of the synagogue for Jesus to come and say, I'm protecting you in this moment. I'm your protector. And so in a lot of ways, like this is a lesson on leadership. it's It's a lesson on what good Christian leadership should look like. In fact, the word shepherd in this passage is the same word where we get the word pastor. You know, and, and, and so in some ways, Jesus is saying that he is the model pastor, that he doesn't hurt people. He doesn't take advantage of people. He protects against those who do. He protects against wolves and sheep clothing who want to take advantage of and hurt the people of God. Unfortunately, Scripture teaches us there are still robbers and thieves trying to crawl over the fence, trying to crawl into the church and harm the people of God, Jude chapter 3 and 4. That there, until Jesus returns, there's going to be wolves dressed up as sheep that will destroy the flock, the people of God. This is why it's so crucial that you're careful who you listen to and who you follow. Whether that's on the internet or podcast or Instagram or, or whatever. Like it's crucial that you are careful who you're listening to and who you follow because there are wolves who want to destroy. And I wish what I'm about to say was not true, but it is. The greatest hurt to your spiritual health will most likely come from someone who claims to be a Christian. Unfortunately, that's true. I've lived it, and I would imagine some of you have as well. And if you have, I just want to say, Jesus is not like that. You know, Jesus is not like that. In fact, he says he's the good shepherd who stands up to the bullies. He's the good shepherd who protects from thieves and robbers and wolves. He protects and he defends. That's who the good shepherd is. The second thing that makes him different is the good shepherd is sacrificial. He's sacrificial. He says in the last part of verse 10, he says, I've come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. See, how does he give life in abundance? He gives it by giving his own life to protect the sheep. He is sacrificial in the fact that he gives his life to protect the sheep. In fact, five times in four verses, Jesus promises to lay down his own life for the sheep. In verse 11, in verse 15, verse 17, verse 18, he's saying he is going to lay down his life for the sheep. And not only that, he says in verse 17, he willingly lays down his life for the sheep. So he says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own. See, the definition of a true shepherd is, is that he isn't in it for his own good. Like He exists for the good of others. When something scary comes up, you can tell the difference between a good shepherd and a bad one by what they do. That's what verse 12 is saying, that the hired hand who just came in to do a job, when things get, get sketchy, he leaves and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. See, the fake shepherd only looks after one person, and that's himself. He doesn't care about those around him. But the good shepherd is different. Again, that's the whole point. Jesus is saying the good shepherd is different. And and, and this isn't just like an analogy or a metaphor. Like, it's going to become reality. If you continue reading the book of John, and we will in this series, maybe you don't know the story of the Bible or the story of Jesus 
But as we finish this story of John, we're going to see Jesus prove that he is the good shepherd that lays down his life, that he willingly lays down his life. The sheep are facing real danger. The shepherd's going to go out to meet it, and the shepherd is going to lay down his life to protect the sheep. That's the story of the cross. That's the story of Jesus willingly coming to this earth, putting on skin and bone, living a life that you and I couldn't. Lived a perfect and sinless life. Went to a Roman cross, willingly laid down his life because your sin and my sin demanded a sacrifice. It separates us from a holy God. And so Jesus came to live the perfect life and actually become the lamb, as John says, who takes away the sin of the world. He's sacrificed on the, on the cross for us. He's dead. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he comes bursting out of that tomb alive, proving that he's king and Lord and Savior over all. And the Bible says any of us who put our faith in him, trust him for our salvation, will be saved. That is the message of the cross, right? That Jesus is the one who willingly lays down his life for his sheep. Why? Because we were in real danger. There was danger that had come, but by his death, we are literally saved. But we don't just have like a mangled dead shepherd that leaves the sheep just wandering aimlessly. Again, he comes back to life and he is reigning and ruling today. He says in verse 17 and 18, he says, I have the ability to take my life back up. And when he rose from the dead, he, he defeated death. He defeated that danger that was coming. He protects us from that. He is the gate. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And verse 28 says, he gives eternal life and we will never perish. No one will snatch us out of his hand. Right? He is our protector. He is sacrificial. And because he's those things, number three, He's relational. The good shepherd is relational. It says in verse 14, I know my own and my own know me. So this past Friday night, I had something to do that I've always wanted to do. I made my head coaching debut. First and second grade basketball. Coached my first game as a, as a head coach of that team thing you need to know is it was the last game of the season, right? Tyler, uh, who leads worship for us, Zach McCrotty, they were the coaches all season long, but Friday night they couldn't be at the game, so I stepped up, right? They called me in. I was ready for the moment. I stepped up in that moment, so it was the last game of the season, and we were undefeated, and so no pressure, right? <laughs> no pressure. I think I was actually more nervous than any of the kids were going into that game, um, and, and you know what? To make a long story short, we lost. We lost the game. Um, it was a bogus call. We hit a winning basket with one minute left. They, they waved it off. Bogus, whatever. I lost sleep over it, but it's all good. But all night, as I'm coaching these kids, they're looking at me like, who is this dude? <laughs> like, where are you coming? Just some random dude out of the stands just going to come coach us our last game? Where's Tyler? Where, where's Zach? That's kind of the way they were looking at me. And so I'm trying to talk to them, you know, I'm calling timeouts. We're in the huddle. I'm, like, trying to coach them, and they're just looking all over the place, like, hey, right here, you know? I just feel bad for anybody who teaches, like, first and second grade 
boys, because I was just sitting there going, do you guys speak English? Like, are we, what are we doing here? You know, like, what are we, what are we doing? I'm trying to talk to you. I'm like screaming out plays and trying to give them direction from the sideline. And they're just looking at me like I've got two heads. They're like, we don't know you. Like, we don't know you. Where is Tyler? And so I left the, vo- the, the game with no, no voice. Um, we lost the game. Kids are crying. It was a bad night. Right, just bad night. Tyler set me up for failure. Here, here's here's the point. <laughs> here's the point. They didn't know my voice, and, and it didn't go well. Right? It didn't go well. And Jesus says in, in verse twenty-seven, He says, "My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me." I was reading this week about shepherds. Um, in the field and and a lot of times especially at night they would join up with other shepherds and other flocks and they would have them kind of sleep in the same area you know so that they could be better protected and when morning came and it was time to to travel again go to green pastures and different things like that the shepherd would be able to actually call out to his sheep by name and they would just follow him they knew his voice and they would would, that's amazing isn't it like that's amazing that these sheep are able to do that. But I think like, it, it makes sense. If you spend that much time together, then, then you're gonna have some kind of relationship there. Like I'm pretty sure if we were to bring every kid at church this morning and bring them in here, and I were to close my eyes, I would be able to pick out which ones were my kids based off their voice, you know? And I think they would be able to do the same thing if I were to speak. They would know who their dad was because we have that relationship. There's, there's relationship there. And that's what Jesus is saying. My sheep know my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is a picture of just walking in relationship. Do you see it? It's a picture of walking in relationship with the shepherd. And so I just want you to ask yourself, like, does that describe your idea of Christianity? Like, does that describe your idea of, of, of this whole Christian thing that we do? Would you say that you have that kind of relationship with God? That you know his voice, he knows yours, and you follow him. Like, wherever he, is that how you define your relationship with him? Because that's how scripture talks about it. That's how scripture talks about this whole thing of following Jesus. In fact, I want to draw your eyes to to one of the most famous passages in Scripture that talks about walking with the shepherd, and that's Psalm 23. You've probably heard it. You've for sure seen the little embroidered little lacy things at Grandma's house or something like that with, with Psalm 23 on it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? The Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I have all that I need. Literally, it means I don't, I don't need a thing because of who my shepherd is. says he, he, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me along the path of righteousness. Right? It's, this, it's this picture of walking with him and journeying with him. He, he leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my life. He leads me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So do you see how this is a picture of just walking with the shepherd wherever he goes? Because he's your shepherd, man, you don't need a thing. You're content in him. Does that mean that life is gonna be just rosy and walking through meadows with the shepherd all the time? Of course not. Psalm 23 goes on, verse four says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no danger. Why? 
because the shepherd's with me. David says, your rod and your staff, they, they bring comfort to me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, there's a valley of death. There's enemies surrounding, but there's comfort in the shepherd. I was reading that just the click of the shepherd's staff on the rocks and the, the gravel and the places where they would go would bring comfort to the sheep in these moments. Just his voice would bring comfort to these sheep walking in these dangerous situations. See, Jesus never promises a trouble-free life, but he does promise to be with us. He's the good shepherd, and he's with us, and he's guiding us. And walking with him brings life. John 10.10, he says, I have come so that you might have life and have it in abundance. Psalm 23.5 says, my cup overflows. That's that picture of life in abundance, just overflowing because of who the shepherd is. And then Psalm 23 finishes and says, only goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, this relationship that we have with the shepherd, it is now. Like, it is here and it is now, but one day, it's going to be face to face. And that's the ultimate hope that we have in this Christian life is that one day we're going to dwell with God forever. That's the promise of all those who know the shepherd's voice, all those who walk with him. So the good shepherd is a different kind of leader, isn't he? He's different. He's a protector. He's sacrificial. He's relational. He's different. And so as we close, like, you know, this whole thing being, being kind of set in the context of leadership, honestly, leadership is, is kind of a buzzword that I'm kind of tired of. I don't know if, if you are or not, but I just feel like it's everywhere. I feel like podcasts and books and social media, everybody wants to talk about leadership all the time these days. And, and so in some ways, talking about leadership here out of John 10 is, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of one of those one of those things, but it is an important thing for us to talk about. And, and, and one application of this text, one application here is that this is the model for leadership, right? And so whatever sphere of leadership you find yourself in, whether that's at your job or um, here at church, in your family, with your kids, whatever, like one application here is to follow his model of leadership, Follow Jesus' model. He is the model leader. We are to be protectors of those who follow us. We are to be sacrificial for them. We are to be relational as leaders. All that's good. All that is there. But I think we also know that leaders fail, don't we? Leaders fail. And I think we're all used to getting hurt by leaders. And so another application point here in this text is again that the word shepherd is the same word that's used in scripture for pastor. And so pastors are shepherds of a flock of God's people. Pastors should lead like Jesus. And that's true. And so as your pastor, as your shepherd, who's also a sheep, by the way, I just need you to know um, that if you hang around me long enough, I'm gonna fail you. 
I'm going to let you down. I'm going to say something that offends you. I'm going to do something you don't like. I'm going to not do something, and that's going to offend you. I'm going to let you down at some point. And I hope that you'll understand that it was accidental. I didn't mean to do it. I hope that you trust me. I hope that you believe the best about me. I hope that you remember that we're all flawed. But again, I just want it to be clear, I will let you down. And I think that's why the good shepherd is so compelling. Because we're used to leaders failing us. But the good shepherd is different. He's different. He's not flawed. He, there's not even the possibility of him letting you down or hurting you. He's the good shepherd. But one last thought. The way that this word here is translated as good, I don't think it fully encompasses the full meaning of what's happening here. That he's the good shepherd. Because good kind of implies morals, doesn't it? Morals kind of, or, or good kind of implies that there's a bad option and a good option, so go with the good option. Like, it's the better alternative. And that's true. But the word here translated as good could be translated as beautiful. That he is the beautiful shepherd. And that's not referring to his looks um, because scripture tells us that he was probably kind of an ugly guy. Um, Isaiah says that, so if you're offended by that, take it up with him, Isaiah 53 too. But, so it's not talking about how attractive he was. It's not talking about his looks. It's talking about how attractive this kind of shepherding is. Shepherding that is protective, that is sacrificial, that is relational. And when that kind of shepherd calls, man, we want to follow it. Especially whenever we understand the depth of his love that he willingly laid down his life for us. The good shepherd is a different kind of leader. And that's compelling. That's worth following. And so how do you respond this morning? It's pretty simple, really. If Jesus is the good shepherd, then what you need to do is follow Jesus. Just follow him. Don't put your eyes somewhere else. Don't wander away. Don't follow your own voice. Follow Jesus, because he really is the good shepherd. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.